thanks for walking us through your improv journey. Yeah. Was that really long? Was that very long? Uh, it depends. <laughs> I think uh, uh, it's not longer than usual, but it is. <laughs> hey. I, I would say it's longer than most people, yeah. right? That, but you that... know me, I, I can't. I can't help myself. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Long Form Conversations, the podcast where we talk about long form improv. As always, I'm your host, David. Uh, today, we're joined by a, a very special guest. Uh, he is an improviser that I have watched a lot coming up throughout my years as a, a, a improv student. And now I have the pleasure of being one of his uh, improv disciples. Please welcome James Mannion. Thanks for having me, David. Yeah. Good to see you. Good to see you as well. It's been a minute since I've seen you. I know because I was out of town and then you were out of town. That's right. Um, You were just in DC, right? Yeah, yeah. And you were just I in DC. I was in DC, but... <laughs> I think I probably left like the day that you got there, maybe. Yeah, um, I, I I got there. Well, it was quite some time. I got there. And so that was for an improv festival. Right? And that was for an improv festival. Yeah. How was that? It's fun. It was great. Have you done a lot of improv festivals in your day? Not really. Um, I don't, I've done like Sketchfest in and, San Francisco. Yeah. But I definitely haven't done anything in DC. I think. Yeah, I think maybe I haven't done a ton of improv festivals. Yeah, improv festivals are hard to find. I think obviously SF is uh, the big one that most people do. It's a lot of industry there. It's also just close because for most right. of us, it's a whatever it is, 45 minute hour long flight. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, we have uh, some people on my team from um, a person from DC area. Uh -huh. So they have still, co still connections, but nice. I like doing it. They're really fun. Was it at uh, Washington Improv Theater? Where where was it? So it was through them. I think uh, they're okay. like two separate entities, but it was called the District Improv Festival, and it was at this place. You're familiar with the area, right? Uh, yeah, but not really the like improv scene there. Got it. Um, it was this place called Atlas Performing Arts Center. Okay, which is like this really nice theater. I'm assuming they put on you know like uh, uh, actual shows there as well. You know. Yeah. Um, and there was like multiple stages. So this was in like one of the smaller black box stages, but it was great. They had like a whole uh, uh, green room situation, dressing room. Nice. It was like very, it was a very like uh, professional venue. That's great. So did they have like multiple shows going on at like kind of like a Del, Del Close marathon type of no, thing? No, just one stage. Okay. Uh, I think the actual theater must have been doing other shows on, well, actually, you know, I don't know. I'm not going to pretend like I know. How, uh, uh, it's all stage, but it's it seemed big enough that I was like, this can't be the only stage. There must yeah, be more gotcha, stages. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, uh, before all, for all I know, that could have been the only stage. Was it fun to like perform in front of a different audience from like what you're usually used to? Yeah, yeah, it was. And one of the great things, one of the cool things, was it's a very improv savvy audience. Okay, you know, um, so everything was hitting, even you know those those improv moves, right? Yeah. When you're kind of stammering and you're trying to think of a detail, uh, uh, those got laughs too. So it was really nice. So they, you know, uh, um, what I think is good about uh, uh, things like that is if you're nervous, you can always just fall back on doing like technically proficient things. Yeah. You know, so like I remember at one point, I think I just, I just labeled something and I got a big laugh and I was like, yeah, because we were a little bit unsure what was going on. Yeah. Let me just like label where we are, who we are. And that gets a big laugh. That's always true. 
that's always like all that's always the antidote to like any situation where like it it doesn't feel like Mm -hmm. you don't know if the audience is with (laughs) you it's like well you can always just do good fundamental improv like that will never be like the wrong i think uh, it just it's so unnatural though because like um in that you know in, in a natural setting when things get uncomfortable you can't just be like this is a good business meeting that's not gonna get me you know make people feel at ease or you're like i'm having fun on this first date it doesn't really like oh yeah 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 but on the improv scene it's always like you can just state the facts yeah know? it's good to say yeah this is a good business meeting <laughs> in an improv scene yeah this is a sad funeral <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. How, what were you doing in dc uh, i was just visiting my family oh great yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, did you um we'll talk about this more but did you do any improv when you're out there are you familiar with the washington improv theater no i i mean i i've heard of it but i've never been there i didn't um i mean i d- wasn't doing improv i wasn't doing an improv like this past week while i was home um and yeah i didn't i did improv growing up in in the area but mm-hmm. but I didn't do anything like in the DC improv scene. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, it's my third time there and it's a fun city. It's a fun area, like really, really lively. Uh, we were there over the weekend and there was this like great little street market and, and even just like to see people walking around you know, LA is big. And of course are people walking around, but we're always kind of spread out. The sidewalks are really like yeah. long, you know, but to like, you know, just have people walking around and like just doing things, living their lives. It's such a walkable city. Yeah, it's nice. I like grew up in the suburbs around DC. And so we'd go in to go to like museums and stuff and the like National Mall and stuff like that. But it wasn't until I got older that I actually had friends who lived there and Mm -hmm would like come visit and realize like, Oh, I don't actually really know DC at all. Like I've been to like the tourist destinations, but not much more than that growing up. And, um, the few times I've like gone and actually like visited people who like actually live in the city. Yeah. Um, it's, it's like a, it's a fun city. Like it's nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fun to be able to like zoom out and be a tourist in your own hometown. Yeah. Like, Oh wow. I've never been to this. Did you do any sightseeing or do you want any landmarks at all? No, no. I was just hanging out with my, uh, parents and my sister and, um, visited like a, a friend who just like moved into a, a new place. So I went, like went to go see his, him and his wife and daughter and, uh, um, see their new place and hang out. Cool. Um, So yeah, it was, pretty chill yeah um uh will we we missed you last week at uh, uh for those of you that don't know james is the coach of odyssey our uh used to be lloyd team which has gotten a couple of extra shows uh which is great yes. i wanted to talk to you about how like as we come to a close about your experience but first of all uh we missed you last week oh i miss you guys I, and <clears throat> especially because there's like so few shows left i'm mm-hmm. like i see each one but i i um yeah, I, I like went to a wedding uh, that was Labor Day weekend that was already on the East Coast. And so, uh, yeah, unfortunately, I had to, I was like thinking about it though. I was like, oh my God, let's go. All right, awesome. Uh, well, uh, uh, good catching up with you. I think we're ready to jump into our first segment. Okay. <laughs> 
We're going to go ahead and jump into our first segment of the episode, which is going to be Improvster Syndrome. So James, this is the opportunity to hear your journey as an improviser from beginning to where you are now. It's also a good chance just to let people know about your, your mindset as you're going through it, since I'm sure many folks going through it right now maybe feeling uh, maybe insecure or just nervous about it. So it would be good to hear how you felt and how you kind of overcame that. Sure. Um, so I guess the first time I did improv, I think would have been in middle school because um, I took a, a like a drama class for, as like an elective in seventh grade. And we had this awesome drama teacher, Mr. Andrew Konis, and uh he would at the end of every class um for the last like i don't know five ten minutes of class he would um have us do like little short form improv games so like at the end of every class like a few students would go up and and uh he'd pick out like a a game and um and have us do it and uh uh, and yeah, I mean, I, I, I love doing that. I think I, I'd probably seen like who's line at that mm -hmm. point and, and thought that show was great. And, uh, and yeah, so I was kind of like hooked right away. Um, and definitely like liked doing drama stuff. Uh, I think like there were a couple like plays in elementary school that, uh, our teachers had us put on and, and I always really liked doing that. Um, so um as you were doing this did it did it kind of click in your head that it was like whoa this is made up as opposed to the drama stuff which is like yeah person written down i think that was like really exciting about it um and yeah like you I mean, were aware of like the like the the skill or like wow this is this is special because i am i'm doing this not yeah i mean i i think not shakespeare like, uh <laughs> I don't know if I think I think there is like there's definitely an element of like, whoa, it's crazy. We don't know what, you know, what what we're going to do. Mm -hmm. um, and also it's just fun. Like, you know, those like those games are fun. And I mean, you know, when you're watching Who's Line and you see them like doing all this mm -hmm. uh, really creative stuff and it's all on the spot, like uh, there's something very, I don't know, exciting about that. Yeah. And I think um yeah, it felt like, uh, I, I guess I felt, I don't know, like I took to it naturally or like I really enjoyed doing it. And, um, and so I think like in middle school, I think we went to on like a class trip to like see a comedy sports show. And I remember that being really cool and just, you know, feeling like, yeah, I want to, I want to be up there um and and yeah so i did that again in eighth grade and he had like a little um like theater sports tournament every year so like um this is the our, our drama teacher so he would set up this tournament and like kids from his class i i don't know if you had to have taken his class or not but you know he would let you put like a little team together of your friends and then there would be this like big tournament and people from the school would go watch and 
he would get judges who were in like high school and like his like past students. And mm -hmm. it, so that was like a big event every year. And, um, and as like a short form competition. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It would be like two teams would, I think it would be like two teams would like basically compete against each other, like in mm -hmm. a comedy sports show that, or that, that, that type of show. Um, and yeah, he would give us like, different games to play and i think the judges would like rate the scenes yeah. and and then you would like advance to the next uh level so it was like a bracket and you remember how you did so in eighth grade my team won it was me and my two friends okay and i think we won uh you know what we're not gonna fact check it so you're you're winners sure I'm pretty sure we did. We can rewrite history and say that you won. I can't remember if I did it in <laughs> seventh grade, but we definitely didn't win seventh grade, so I probably blocked that out of yeah, yeah. memory. Um, but yeah, I was like two two of my good friends, and and um, and yeah, I don't know. I was just like, oh, this is fun, and I want to yeah. be good at this. <laughs> um, and and where you went was middle school, seventh and eighth. Yeah. Okay. So then, what what uh, what happened after middle school? Did you continue with it in high school? Yeah. Yeah. In high school, there was a, I think there was like an improv club freshman year. I think there was already an improv club. And, um, and so I joined that and we would just like meet after school and, and yeah. So like one of his former students, I think led that club and she was in comedy sports. And so she would have been like 15 at the time or 16. Yeah. And I remember being let, like, Whoa, like she's doing uh comedy, like like she's actually performing like in front of other people. I just thought that that was like so cool. And so I was like really excited to like be in this club and get to know her. And um and she also did uh stuff in the drama club. And so so yeah, I think at that point it was mostly we had something called like eighth period, which was like twice a week part at the like end of the day was when people could like do different clubs. And, um, so I would go to the improv club and then, yeah, kept that going. Uh, and then eventually like put together like an improv team, mm -hmm. like I think my like senior year. And I think we maybe did like one or two, like performances at like a spring, you know, festival, like at school. So, um, uh, uh, after high school, did you, you said you were touring around, you're looking at schools. Were you looking at schools with like improv or does, was that even, I had a friend who was on the improv group at USC and I did see like, he was like old, a couple years older than me. And when I like was visiting colleges, I, I like saw him do a show. Um, and, and it was great. And, uh, uh, and he, he took me to see a UC, UC ASCAT. Oh, wow. Um, and so I was definitely like, I don't know, trying to see like, what, like, will I still be able to do this? Like what, what, um, what's out there? It yeah. wasn't like the main factor in like my decision, but it was definitely like 
Yeah, it's a factor. Important yeah. to me. Well, how would you feel? Do you remember anything about seeing that ASCAT show? Yeah, it was amazing. It was like, this would have been in like 2009. And uh, I can't remember who. I mean, it was like the two mats. And then I think maybe Rob Hubel. And I can't remember like who the whole cat, but I I just remember being like blown away. Like I had never seen anything. Was that like your I, first taste of uh long form? Yeah. I, I had seen a groundling show before that, mm-hmm. like their improv show. Um, and re- remembered also really liking uh, that show. Um, but there was something about going to see Ascat and it was like in Franklin and it was like packed and, uh, it was so intimate and it felt very raw and, and, um, whereas like groundlings, it was like, oh, this is really polished. And, 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 and it was, and that was really good too. But there was just something about the ASCAT show that I was like, whoa, this is like crazy. Like it, yeah. it was, um, uh, it, it, it definitely stuck with me. Yeah. I mean, sure. I'm, I'm, it must be a defining moment since, uh, you know, you ended up, uh, uh, move, you know, moving here and, and taking classes. Yeah. Before we jump into that, where did you end up going to college? Uh, I went to Stanford and up there, there was a, a, a great improv program. There was actually like an improv class in the drama department that was taught by, um, a guy named Dan Klein mm-hmm. and Dan Klein was the coach and he was in a like San Francisco sketch group called Casper Hauser that, um, you know, is like, was like a successful sketch group. I didn't know much about that at the time, but, um, but he was great. He was like a, like a really great improv teacher and, and, and coach, um, which was kind of different. Cause I think most colleges, it's like student, you know, students there's like run. an improv group and yeah. the students run it. Um, and we had this like great resource um, of this guy who had been performing in San Francisco. And and, uh, and when you say class, you mean like, uh, um, like it was like a class I took for yeah, credit. Yeah, yeah, that was, okay. It's like in the drama department class. And it was like a really popular class there. It's like tons of like, yeah. Tons of students would take it every year. Were you doing the drama um, uh, uh, major? No, no. I I majored in computer science. So this was like a, just like an elective or just like... Yeah, a... it was an elective. Um, and I was, you know, I did some plays and stuff. Like it definitely was like... You're still That active. stuff was my like... I was very intent on continuing to do that stuff mm-hmm. as like my extracurricular. Um, uh, after the four years, did you... Do you do like uh uh I don't know was there like a team like a audition or anything? like was there like a I don't even know how I'd say it but like was there any structure where you could like see yourself advancing could you see yourself getting better over the four years or was it just like this is just you know we're all the same and it's all just very like well yeah I mean I think it would be like our practices would be. Cause you don't get grades, I guess, right? You don't get like, no, it was like a, a club or like a, a team. I mean, you would have to audition. So you had to take the improv class and then there would be auditions like, you know, maybe like twice a year. Um, 
of anyone who had taken the improv class who wanted to audition. And um, in the group, every year we would do a like a theater sports show up there where it would be people from our group against people from this theater. Um, and so that was always fun because, uh, you know, we'd get competitive with them. Yeah. Like we would like elect like three or four people to be like our representatives, our, our representatives to go against these, yeah. uh, adult performers and, uh, uh, and that was always really exciting. Did you ever get elected? Yeah, I did it. Uh, I did it one year at least. Um, and remember being like so competitive, like we gotta beat these guys. Like we can do it. Like we're just as funny as they are. Like, you know, yeah. uh, we're it was, young. It we're was, fresh. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was really fun. Do you remember how you did? I can't remember. I, I mean, we had a great show. Uh, Let's say you beat them. I don't, I actually, I don't think we beat them. I think like, and I remember being sort of pissed, but, but the, the, but you know, the conceit of the, of theater sports is that like, it doesn't matter who sure. wins, right? Yeah, like yeah. that competitive element there is mostly there for well, like, I guess more the importantly, audience. More importantly, you, you crushed, right? You killed. Uh, I had a couple good, a uh, couple good lines. Yeah, good. Um, but, uh, I mean, I remember it being uh, a fun show. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm when it comes to improv, I'm competitive. You know, like I, I wanna, I wanna go. Yeah, I wanna go up against the against the, the best. best. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Uh, so after college, uh, what happened with improv? So, because I'm, I'm guessing they don't let you do the club or the. No, no. Um, so yeah, I mean, I came out of that, like being like, that was awesome. Like it was an awesome experience. Um, I got to, there were so many, like, uh, like I met some really good friends in that club who uh, like, um, I still am friends with today. And, and my good friend, Max Sosnaspear, he performs at UCB. He was a little bit older than me, and he had moved down to L.A. first. So, um, like, I was like, okay, there's a way to, like, keep doing this. And uh, I wanted to uh, eventually move down here and, and, and sort of follow uh, follow him down here and... Um, and sort of like keep doing what we'd been doing, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so like I, by the end of college, I was like, okay, I really love doing this. And I've been like lucky so far to be able to get to do it with great people and, and be able to perform in front of audiences and, and, and get better at this. And, uh, and it took me a while to like, convince myself that it was like okay to try to pursue like a career in mm -hmm. uh comedy comedy or acting or improv or whatever but i had like um 
because, you know, I got a degree in computer science. I was always like, well, I'll make sure that I have like a good foundation. I'll do the, 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 the thing that, uh, your parents, the sensible thing. But then I was always just like fantasizing about being Jim Carrey. Uh, yeah. Uh, being an actor, being a comedian. And so it was things like, having seen that show at UCB. Uh, and I think a couple of times the, our improv group, we went down to LA and like uh, saw a show. So having seen that, that like having, uh, knowing my friend Max, who was a few years older than me going down there and taking classes and stuff like that. I'd been like listening to podcasts and stuff like that. And so, uh, was like it was always on your radar it was on my radar and i was like okay this feels possible and and uh or at least like i want to keep doing this yeah um and it seems like there are places i could go and at least take classes you know and continue doing this um and so i stayed i lived in san francisco for a couple years after college uh because i was like working a job and just trying to like save up money and, um, oh, I was always planning on like, uh, moving to LA. Yeah. So, uh, what eventually got you down here? Uh, I guess I, I was a couple things. Like I, I got to a point at my job where I was like, okay, I think I'm sort of wrapping up. I felt like I had like done my, like, Paid your dues obligations there if to where like, if I were to leave, it wouldn't, it would felt like, okay, I completed this like thing. I was also in a, uh, a long distance relationship at the time where she had moved down, uh, before me to LA to to LA. Oh, wow. You don't know this about me, but I love, I love romantic comedies. Oh yeah. Yeah. So this is like your heart's everything. You know what I mean? Like LA is where your heart, your passion, your, uh, 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 the drive, the thing, the reason to wake up in the morning. Yes, it was very much uh, like, I got to get down there. Like, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I mean, looking back, I'm like, I should have just quit. Let, quit my job <laughs> yeah. earlier that I, you know, I, but, but you know, it's hard to, that's how I would, it's hard written, to just like yeah. leave a, a I would have written that third act of, you know, that grand gesture. You would have quit yeah. your job. So yeah, this, you know what? You can take this project and shove your ass and then you, yeah fly down yeah this was definitely the uh not the uh exciting romantic comedy yeah this is the this is the first act where you're like oh boy is signing favors yeah um but uh but yeah so, so you left but eventually I, yeah. I i i eventually I got, I got down there and uh uh yeah and then started taking classes and stuff yeah, so let's talk about that now. Now you're in LA. Yeah. Uh, 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 you're, you're reunited with your friends and your loved ones. Yes. And you are signing up for 101? Yeah, uh, I signed up for 101. First thing? Uh, I think I took it like, a, I think I started it like a, a few weeks or like a, within a month yeah. of like having moved down. And was it always UCB or did you shop around to check out? I, I, I was like, I'll start with UCB first because uh-huh. um, I'd been coming down and visiting, you know, visiting course, yeah. uh, my girlfriend and my friends and stuff. And so I'd been like going to see shows at UCB. And- what was that like? Because you at this point, 
if I'm getting my math done correctly, you've done like maybe a decade of improv now. Yeah. So I guess at this point it would be like 10 years since yeah. middle school. And uh, uh, sign up for one-on-one, one-on-one, uh, one-on-one. Uh, what was that like? Uh, so again, it was like a similar experience to when I took the improv class in college where it was like, okay, this is like, uh, there's a new thing to learn here. Right. I mean, the beginning of one-on-one is mostly the same sure. improv stuff everywhere. Yeah. But I think by the end of it, they start to introduce game. You and- have to like abandon Shed yeah. your ego of how much you already know. And yeah, that. definitely. Like, I, I definitely went into it being like, okay, there's like a new thing going on here that I think I sort of understand what yeah. uh, what it is, but I definitely don't feel like I know how to do it. And uh, uh, I was like, okay, I have to yeah. once again be like, I'm learning and I'm like relearning. How did you deal with that? thing because uh, i it, it's something that i think everybody starts struggles with or continues to struggle with but like you can already get laughs like you mentioned you performed yeah. to an audience of three so you know like hey you know even if the show's going bad even if it's a bad audience you know how to like hit it and you know get that laugh how are you able to like fight the temptation of like look i don't need to do ucb game i don't need to learn this stuff i already know how to get a laugh let me deviate from what they're teaching and let me do what I do best? Uh, I think I just was like, I mean, why take the class if there's nothing you can, if you're not going to like try to learn Yeah, that thing? I mean, I, I think uh, Good also- point. Good point for the listeners. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I also like had been seeing UCB shows and being like, okay, these people are really funny. <laughs> they set like a new, know, was like, it like a new, uh, like a new, like bar, like a new level yeah. of standard to hit. Yeah. So I think I was watching that and I was like, okay, if I want to be able to do that, mm-hmm. I need to learn how to do that because I can't do that right now. Yeah. Uh, there's other things I can do really well, but, um, but I think, um, I think having that sort of like yeah. guidepost, as opposed to being like, well, I got to, I got to get laughs right now. I think I because I'd performed a lot at that point. I think I was like, okay, I like I can get laughs. I, I can do to. that, right? But yeah. this is, uh, I always kind of think about it like at one point. This is gonna sound crazy. I'm not comparing myself to Tiger Woods. Okay. But at one point, Tiger Woods, who had already won, like, had already had a ton of success, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure he, like, had to completely relearn how to swing a golf club because his natural swing, like, wasn't, isn't, he didn't swing the club, like, the most optimal way. Mm-hmm. And so I think at some point in his career, he was like, I am going to completely relearn how to swing a golf club. Right. Because I've hit my ceiling of like how well I can hit it. I think this is was Tiger Woods, and I believe this that this happened, but maybe I'm thinking of something else. I'm not gonna fact check it, so we'll say it was. And so I think like I was like, okay, that like, yeah, there's things I can do well, but this is like a whole new way of thinking about it from what I'm used to. And so but I believe 
that if I can figure this out, then I can sort of increase my like ceiling of what, mm-hmm. of how I can be funny. Because I think up to that point, I felt like, yeah, I can say something funny in the moment, but I don't really have any control over what yeah. I'm doing. I don't really know. Like, I just have an impulse or a feeling of like, it would be, might be funny if I say this, but no, like, uh, understanding in the moment of like what, what that is. Um, so I think because I could see like people who are really good at it, um, I was able to like, just trust like, okay, if I like Mm -hmm. just, just work on getting good at this, at this new, new skill. Yeah. What would Tiger do? What would Tiger do? So what was the next uh, step after you finished your classes? Uh, so at that point we were doing like indie shows mm-hmm. and this was my like indie team. We were called Nevada pajamas. This is basically my one indie team. There were like a couple other teams that we, we would maybe do shows, but like not necessarily like practice like, like together. Yeah. But this was like, we practiced every Tuesday for a while, um, like a few years. And, um, it was a great team. It was, uh, Victoria Longwell, Nick Titoni, um, Stephen Maloney, Katie Goldston, and uh, Philip Wiles and me, and um, and so we were like doing clubhouse shows and and uh, stuff like that. And I was taking some advanced. I took a couple advanced study classes, and um, uh, and then somewhere in there was like uh audition like herald auditions and um how'd you feel about that audition i felt so it was in one of the rooms at sunset so in like a small classroom Mm -hmm. and so you could see everybody like sitting in the audience and i just remember going in there and being like whoa drew defonzo marx is here like uh you know you could like Mm -hmm. see everyone who's watching you and, and that being like uh a little nerve-wracking but also exciting like i think i i felt like uh okay like i'm gonna perform in front of some people that i like uh admire great improvisers and so that was exciting and um i remember feeling pretty good about the uh that audition not in the sense of like i had no i didn't really know much about like I hadn't been in the scene that long. I didn't really know. I had no expectations for like, uh, you know, that I, this is my first time going through the process. So mm-hmm. I was just glad that I was like, okay, got some laughs in that, in that yeah. first scene. You feel um, good about the Herald? Like the structure? Herald. I, I, I remember feeling like, Ooh, I don't know how well I like being like, Oh, I don't know if that went great. Yeah. And I think I remember the callback, like being like, oh, I don't, I don't know that that was like a particularly good herald, but I, I was just like, well, it's, that's what I got. It's cool that I'm <laughs> even here, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I definitely felt like, uh, there was still a lot of, about like doing heralds that I felt like I definitely did not feel like I was like, particularly good at heralds they felt like sure. this big like sort of beast 
But yeah, you, you got through the audition process. You got yeah. the first team. What was the name of that uh, first set mess hall team? TKO. Who was your James Mannion? Oh, we had Sarah Classful and um and Jake Regal. Two coaches? Yeah, I think we by yeah, I think we we switched at one point. Okay. Um but yeah, they were both great. And yeah. and they were both on Cardinal Redbird and I really liked that that team. Mm -hmm. I think there was I, I can't remember if they'd been graduated yet. Uh but I just remember them doing like really like funny heralds. Um and so it was like very cool to and Sarah had coached our had also coached my um Nevada pants? Yeah, Nevada pajamas. Pajamas. Uh and I can't I think I can't remember at which time she was coaching which, but uh, but so I definitely had her as a coach a lot, and um, and yeah, it was it was fun. What was that? Do you remember any takeaways from that experience? Yeah, I I think it was like good, um, good training, and there were some like really fun people to perform with on that team. Um, yeah. I mean, I just remember being like, hey, the Herald's really hard. Like, <laughs> it's, uh, there's like a, so much to think about and, um, and get good at. Yeah. And I definitely felt like it was, uh, like I was learning a lot during that period. Um, just trying to just do it a bunch of times and yeah. be like, oh, uh, did this thing well? And then this thing, this other part of it, like, still it's so you. hard to yeah. do everything, everything well, and just sort of getting comfortable with that. And yeah. being like, there's a lot to. And I always say the Herald exposes you because you, like yes. you mentioned, if you're so good at initiating, great. But then there's going to be an opportunity for you to receive. And then that's when it's like, well, now we know what you can do well, what you can't do well, right? For sure. Um, and, and yeah, like you get used to uh all roles being like yeah all, all roles and being like okay it's not gonna be perfect right like it's it's uh <laughs> there's always gonna be uh a part of the show that like getting through the whole show there's gonna be ups and downs yeah within a show much less like from show to show uh and but you just gotta like stay stay invested and and uh, like kind of work through them all yeah and 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 be like okay like this part didn't go as well but we can get them back in the second beat or whatever uh, uh so what was your attitude about the second audition uh i think I think that one I was like, okay, I, I, I want to, uh, the first time it's like I hadn't done it before and was still pretty new and, mm -hmm. and didn't have a ton of, uh, expectations. And, and so I didn't, I, I was just like, I didn't really have any expectations on it. The second time I was like, okay, uh, I, I, you know, I, you can't control what's going to happen, but I do want to go in there and, and do a good job. And I, and I felt like, uh, 
I was like feeling really good about where I was at going into it. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, I think I was like in an advanced study Herald class and was feeling like that class was going well. And, uh, um, I think I kind of felt like, okay, I feel really good about like the work that I'm doing right now. And so, uh, there was more pressure or I put more pressure on myself because I was like, if you can't do it this time, right? Like who knows what, what if you suck? Like I, I'm all, I'm always like afraid that I'm going to like one day wake up and just suddenly like suck at, at improv. Um, uh, so I think that one, I, I was a little more like, okay, this I'm feeling good right now. But I don't want to feel too good. Sure. I, I don't yeah. want to like expect anything, but also, uh, um, yeah, I think I remember going into it being like, you know, just do what you've been doing. Try not to, try not to fuck it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you can I curse on this? I'm sorry. I'm yeah, not. you can. <laughs> okay. Yeah, uh, and you already had done it, and you've already, you know, formed so it's like. Yeah, it's the kind of your opportunity to lose. It's like, hey, you've already seen me. You already liked me before. Yeah. As long as I just, as long as I do a bad job in those six months and I don't do a bad job now, you should like yeah. me. Yeah, I mean, I definitely didn't feel like I had it in the bag by sure. any stretch of the imagination. But, but, uh, but I did feel like, I mean, like, to, I definitely was like, it, it like, I definitely was not like going into it being like, yeah, I got this. Sure. But I was like going into it being like, I'm I'm feeling pretty good about like how I'm performing. And your work. And so I just want to like show I just want to show where I'm at right now because I'm uh I'm feeling pretty good about it. And so what there would be to lose would be like to not sort of live up to what you can do. What I can do in, in this moment. Yeah. And was that the one that uh, uh, got you on Herald? Yeah. So then that one, I was put on Herald on a team called Dollhouse. What was that uh, first year like? Uh, it was great. It was a lot of fun. Um, we were a team of all new people. And it was a really funny team. And we had Dan Lippert was our coach. And, and it was like really, I had always like really like, looked up to him as an improviser. And yeah. So it was like very cool to work with him. And um, yeah, we got broken up at the end of that, that year and scattered to the, to the wind. But um, I don't know. It was very fun. Do you know what, uh, uh, was it just like y'all had different styles? Uh, I mean, I think, I know it's hard to say, and I don't think obviously they don't tell you. Yeah, I mean, it seems like there aren't in general. It seems like there are not like a ton of like team first of all teams. first year peoples that like stick together because at that point, like they don't really know, and you don't even really know like what, you what you're capable of because mm -hmm. everyone's really funny. So like every team's capable of having a few nights where they like really kill it. And then the question is, can you, how, what, what is your consistent show? Yeah. Look like, like what can they do to reconfigure to get it to be a consistent level? So it's not yeah. like a, a random crapshoot. Yeah. 
and um, after the shuffling, you and Mia got put on Leroy, right? Yeah. So uh, I got put on Leroy, and then Mia got put on Leroy later that cycle, um, and uh, and yeah, they 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 were a team that got put together that same year as my first team dollhouse. Uh, but they had a few people on there who were like, had already done like um, a year before that or a couple years before that. And, uh, and yeah, that was like really exciting because they were, uh, they were already a really funny team. And so it was like, uh, felt really exciting to get to yeah. be put on that. And then for Mia to get put on it too, because I always really loved doing scenes with Mia on our previous team. Um, so it was like cool that we made it all the got better. To, got both got to join. Um, um, finally, yeah. One thing I want to ask you, something that uh, not a lot of people have got to do. Uh, so I thought I'd take this opportunity, but what, what was it like to do Elefante? What's it like to be asked to do that? You know, this is like the flagship show. This is also the show that you, uh, 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 like saw and, and, and made you fall in love with, uh, um, ECB. So I'm sure it's like a nice full circle. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, really exciting to, to get asked to do that. Um, and definitely, uh, yeah, I mean, since seeing like ASCAT the first time, um, you know, you're definitely like, man, that, that, that would be cool. Uh, and, uh, and so it, it was really cool to get to do that and, and to get to perform with some people that like I've always watched and like wanted to perform with. And, um, uh, does it make you practice it or do you kind of just get asked like a mashup team just thrown on? It's yeah. It's like a mashup team. Cause I think it's interesting where, you know, they make you train and you learn the Herald and you can do the Herald so well, but then, to do this, it's a different type of opening. It's an interview, and I yeah, mean, it's you know, it's a lot of new factors. It's also the Armando. It's a different, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I think like, luckily, everybody's like, uh, really good at <laughs> <laughs> like improv. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, so shouldn't throw. I'm like, off. hey, I don't need to do much in this show because there's oh, like sure five other people here who are who I've been watching since like I was like taking classes and stuff and uh uh like uh you know we might it might take a few scenes for us to like start uh gelling right or 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 if uh, you know you're playing with someone new for the first time right like uh you know, it takes a little bit to be like, okay, this is kind of yeah. how they play. But like, uh, luckily people, everyone has knows game and, you know, everyone's gone through UCB. I'm also so sure you, at that point, everybody's kind of like, they've seen each other. They're kind of familiar or fans yeah. of one another. Yeah. And just like, uh, really good performers. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, great. Is there anything else on, the, uh, in terms of improv that you're looking forward to? Just yeah, I don't know. Just looking forward to continuing to do it and seeing um, seeing how I can get better and and uh, and ha- and um, the kinds of shows that we yeah. can do and seeing how like for Leroy, like what can we evolve this show that we're doing now into and uh, 
um, and for like ASCAT, you know, just getting to perform with really talented people. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's very exciting. Awesome. Well, great. Thank you so much. A uh, great attitude from the Tiger Woods of improv, the self-proclaimed <laughs> Tiger Woods. Uh, I'm not the Tiger Woods of improv, but you know, maybe the <laughs> Phil Mickelson. Maybe the Phil Mickelson, maybe the Arnold Palmer. All right. Well, thanks again for walking us through your uh, improv journey. We're going to go ahead and transition to our next segment, which is our topic of the week. Now, uh, Normally this is a this is a dialogue talking about this, but you're such a, a master at this and you are my coach. Feels a little silly to 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 contribute anything. I guess it might be just me asking no, you more no. questions. We should, we should have a dialogue. I want dialogue to hear about this. Your thoughts about this. Okay, great. Well, you you picked a uh, 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 pulling premise, initiating them. Something that I think is probably one of the more writerly skills, and it's something that I particularly. Um, like care about like this is uh, this yeah. is one of the things that i think i have a lot of intention to try to work on and build on it's also something that i think you do really well something that leroy as a team as you know as, as a big fan of y'all y'all do very well you're always very good about uh, uh getting out every bit of information and in, even sometimes like it'll feel like oh i don't think they got it you you all somehow still like oh no they got it and not only did they get it they remember every bit of every nugget yeah is, is that something that y'all like particularly drilled i think yeah i think uh that's something that every herald team drills i think every herald team drills pulling premise yeah. or at least they should if they're not uh um uh, and initiating but yeah i think like um i think that's something that like leroy's pretty good at um is is pulling pulling premise yeah and i think um and I think that's something like James Mastriani as a coach is, is really good at uh, teaching. Yeah. He's, he's really good at like helping you identify different um, types of pulls and just like different, like he's good at like categorizing different types of games that like come up or different types of like unusual things that come up a lot. Um, and so I think that that was uh helpful for us yeah and also i think like we did a living room opening for most of the time at least that i was on the team and i think our living room was uh we worked really hard in our living room to frame ideas mm -hmm. right and if you do that then it's easy to pull print or it's like pretty easy to pull premise because you're already starting to do that in the, in the opening. And mm -hmm. I think that like every, if I were a Herald team, I would want to do an opening where you have the ability to frame ideas mm -hmm. and, uh, and in a living room, you have to be extra cognizant of that because the living room, you can just end up having a conversation where you didn't frame anything, right? Yeah. And I think that's what a lot of people, they mistake the living room as. It's like, oh, it's just a bunch of friends shooting the shit. But it'd be like doing a pattern game without the part where you label yes. and 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 It's and like explore. everyone goes, oh, I don't want to do pattern game. It's too hard. But it's like... At least you're labeling it. Yeah. If you do a pattern game, then there's like discrete 
points at which you go, okay, right now we're labeling something. Okay, right now we're pitching, fleshing it out yeah, or yeah. grounding it, right? It, like there's clear um, moments that you can then after the opening's over point to. And remember that was the idea, right? And then people go, let's do a living room because it's easier. And it's like, well, it is because you're not doing like a weird word association and it's maybe less alienating to an audience, but you can do a whole living room and then the living room ends and you go like, what did we just talk? Like, what yeah. do I pull from this? Yeah. Let's actually, let's start here. Cause I think uh, if we're talking about initiations, we have to talk about openings. Like, yeah, so let's just begin with openings. Cause we're not going to talk about uh, suggestions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to start with uh, the no openings. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, what I think is so uh, uh, interesting about the living room in particular, when, when, when you see it done well, when I've seen Leroy do it, you know, I'm, I don't know if everybody's necessarily breaking it down this way, but I'm like, this is a pattern game, but they're just doing it with full sentences and responses yes, rather than, uh, 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 like you mentioned, like just one word at a time, word association. Because eventually you all will land on an idea and it will get a little bit more clear and then you will label it and then you'll all will kind of like and then we'll explore it or poke with it and then a to see it uh, hey actually that makes you think of this and now we're going to get away from that idea to our next clover if you will right yeah so we were definitely like doing uh a structured thing mm -hmm. and um and yeah it is a pattern game right like the pattern or it's this same type of thing, the same type of structure. We're like a pattern game. Uh, same objective. If you're doing it well, right, you're A to seeing, and that's your sort of like raw material. And then at some point, some A to C makes you or the audience laugh. And then you go, okay, there's something. Why did we laugh at that? Uh, let's put, uh, let's frame it or let's you know, put a label on it. And then, um, and then you go, okay, we have this label, this idea, let's, and I don't, if I'm doing a pattern game, I don't, I, I don't really want to call it riffing or pitching on it. Although mm -hmm. some people do it that way, but to me, I'm like, okay, let's flesh it out. Right. Yeah. Let's ground this idea if we need to, or let's explain the, like, cause someone might throw out a label that's funny, but it's like, okay, but what is that? What does that actually mean? Mm -hmm. So it's like sort of like clarifying it and, and maybe even by the end of it, you get to s the logic or justification yeah. or something. Right. Yeah. And then you move on. Well, as soon as you have it, you don't want to pitch a million different versions of the same idea and burn out. You yeah. want to get one uh, clear idea. And then move on. You're we don't like yeah. personally, I don't care if someone finishes their story. The audience might want to hear the end of that yeah. story, but we don't. Yeah, because uh, uh I think a lot of people are conscious or they care about making the opening entertaining. Yeah. Or at least like interesting in some way. I think that's why a lot of people don't like the pattern game because it is it is boring for everybody involved, you know, including yeah. excluding the audience, including the audience. But if it's uh, a rant or if it's a, a um, living room or something like that, it's like, it can, it feels a bit more scenic or it feels a bit more, you know, familiar to life. So people are going to be like, be able to listen through it. Yeah. And like laugh along, yeah. but you don't think that's important. You think the more important thing is 
I jittering think, ideas. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's not that it's, it's not that you want to alienate the audience by doing something that, <laughs> by starting off your show with something that, uh, they don't get or mm -hmm. don't like, but I do think that the primary goal of an opening is to generate good ideas. Right. And so the, I feel like you want the priority to be that we, the team get what we need out of this opening. Otherwise, why are we doing it anyway? You know, openings are weird. Like, yeah, openings are going to be weird no matter what. So, you might as well have it serve a purpose. Yeah. This is really interesting. Now this is kind of explaining to me why you pushed us to to our opening. So our opening, for those people that have not seen uh, an Odyssey show, we do a kind of like a collective group rant or rant hotspot, or I don't know. How would you name it? Uh, I don't know. Like a, a, a rant. I, I've heard someone say rant takeover. A rant takeover? It's a Mannion special. Something like that. Uh, but uh, your emphasis for us was to never, like, pitch, like you mentioned, never um, try to, like, heighten or explore that. Rather, it is two additional labels. So we go out there and we just, we're going to rant. So it's going to be uh, something that we feel strongly about. And obviously, whenever you feel strong about anything, eventually you're going to land on something that's unusual because it's different from the way everyone else feels. Yeah. And then your, your uh, guidance to us is, Okay, now that we have that, take it over, but you're not going to go off on anymore. You're just going to basically explain to the audience and to your team why everybody laughed when David said that, you know, or when James says he's the Tiger Woods of, of improv. We need to now explain why that's funny. You know, that's interesting because you think you're uh, the world's greatest athlete, but you are. <laughs> but you're, you're, you're not. You're a loser. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Uh, and, then, and then even to go even further, we go one more. So now that's going to get a laugh maybe. And they say, okay, it is funny to think you are better than you are or whatever. Right. And it's not, it may not be like fun, but it is such good groundwork for us. Cause now we have three different ways that we can play. We can play the original, we can play the second or we can play the third. Like yeah. Zoomed out. And I would even say that, uh, I would even think of it as like, we're trying to get one on each of those legs. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like, Someone comes out with strong opinion, right? Uh, then the next person highlights what was unusual about it by coming in and backing the person up. And yes, Andy, and we do yeah. that thing where it's like, yeah, David's right. Um, uh, I do hate when people like use a sports metaphor because no one is actually as good at their thing than whatever you can't athletes they're yeah. talking about. You can't is. possibly be as good as Tiger Woods <laughs> yeah. who does uh, 10,000 hours every year of golf. Right. So you come in and, and you are trying to rephrase the thing in a way that, that highlights what's unusual about mm -hmm. it. And then I think the third person um, comes into develop that framing even further mm -hmm. right so to clarify it uh yeah. if there's anything left that's like not totally clear about it mm -hmm. right um and as opposed to like an alternate uh i like a yeah an alternate idea yeah like, which i i, I don't i, I don't think you, yeah. is what you're saying but like yeah, yeah. um uh but yeah so then i guess you do sort of like somewhere along that chain right like 
maybe there's a spot at which you go, okay, here's the, the premise. Yeah. And it's a bit of a cheat code because to bring it back to the initiation of it all, by this time, if we'd done this correctly and we all were listening closely, by the time someone initiates, the label kind of already was said. Yeah. So all you had to do is repeat what happened. Right. Uh, 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 right. Instead of being like, wait a second, why'd you say that? I kind of already know why you said that. So I don't really need to like further investigate so much. I mean, I could, doesn't hurt, but I should be able to just be like, Hey man, seems like you're trying to compare your menial skill to something that a professional athlete. Right. Or come out and like, and do that. You're just do the thing that was highlighted. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. Um, and so I think, uh, yeah, that, that's, um, that's the benefit of that is that, on each idea, right? Someone came out. Hopefully, there was something that was funny or unusual about it. But they're not. You're not coming out trying on that first one, trying to yeah. be funny or unusual. You're just coming out and having a strong opinion. And with our team, since we are so funny, like it's we're gonna yeah. be funny. So there's no. And certainly by that second one, right? Yeah. They're gonna f- point something out in a way that is funny. And mm-hmm. then that third one there is like, okay, if we got the funny thing in the second one, right. Then we have like another opportunity to like, so it's like you had at least two people notice something and solidify it. Yeah. Right. So that when you go out to initiate the scene, like multiple people had a hand in crafting that one idea. Right. So it's not something that you just came up with on the back line in your head that nobody else is privy to. Right. Yeah, and, and it's you've all seen the process of generating that idea, and we have our hands in the hands in the cookie jar, our hands on the pot, or something. Yeah, but you made a really good point about that because when we were kind of talking about openings, like you didn't want us to do monologues because you said, "Well, then that's just one person's voice and one person's point of view, and no one else gets a chance to like." It sounds like this is going on, or it sounds like this is happening. That and and that whole like I think you also mentioned that kind of betrays the whole point of having a whole team participate in it. Yeah, because you want us all to get our hands and then be like, wait a second, this is and pointing stuff out. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I I think at the very least, it's not that like you can't do monologues or or that you shouldn't, but at least being aware, there's a spectrum of openings, and if you have an opening that's just a monologue. There's no collaborative element. So there's no opportunity for anyone to come in and, and frame something. Mm-hmm. And so, and that's what, you know, ASCAD is, right? It's just a monologue and then people come up with a, with an opening or with an initiation off of that. But I think for a Herald, like uh, the more that you can um have an opening that allows you to get on the same page about what the ideas are, the more likely you're going to have a first beat where um, we're spending the first beat on the same page as opposed to spending the whole first beat trying to get on the same idea. Yeah. Um, And I think it's also a good skill, especially if you're like a newer team, like that skill of framing is really important. And so if you can do that in your opening, right? Uh, it, it might be harder to do it in this. You should still do it in the scene, but mm-hmm. like, uh, again, it's like a, it's like a shortcut. 
yeah, it's like the sooner you can start that process, yeah. I think the the easier it's gonna it's gonna be. Uh, yeah. The next thing I wanted to bring up too is just like in terms of that opening. Uh, 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 you know, I don't want to pick on the pattern game too much, but let's pick on the uh, answering machine one. Yeah. Because there's very little opportunity to label. Yeah. A lot of times you are dealing with kind of like a half idea, right? Because it's like, yeah, people play or uh, what's the one where they um, a uh, uh, documentary, right? Or it's like you're playing two big characters. And you'll have funny moments, you'll have funny ideas, but we haven't really exactly zeroed in on what it is unless you're trained to like label yourself in the documentary or label yourself in the voicemail. Uh, 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 so people don't really know what they're looking for in a scene. Yeah. So my mess hall team did the answering machine opening mm -hmm. and that was a big thing I learned there was, I don't think that this is a very good opening. <laughs> like it's, it's hard. Uh, I mean, the answering machine does give you, it gives you that second phone call, right? That's like re Receiving. responding. Mm -hmm. So there is an opportunity to like frame something, but the framing doesn't, it doesn't happen right away. It happens later. And also it's structured in a weird way. Yeah. And you're hearing like five labels at once and now you have to like remember. Yeah. And you're trying to think back to what was, what was the, the answering machine yeah. about, which one haven't we done yet? And then a lot of times it doesn't end up being like a label. It ends up being like just someone responding. Um, then the other thing with answering machine and um, I mean, documentary, you have more of an opportunity to like label directly. But the issue with both these openings is that you're playing characters. And so, yeah, that was the other thing you, you mentioned, right? Like yeah, pattern games, documentaries, things like that. You're inventing so much that when it comes time to play it, you are not connected to that yeah. point of view or to that i would separate pattern game from those two but that's a separate issue from answering machine documentary where you're starting out by coming out as a made-up character yeah and so right off the bat you're just coming up with something that's not attached to anything you yeah. know it's not attached to a real experience it's not attached to this sort of more organic like a to c thing and so what you tend to get is like someone does their answering machine and they're playing like a crazy character right yeah and that's great if it's funny right yeah yeah but, but how are you gonna play that <laughs> in two more three more beats yeah uh i can explore that it, yeah and and eventually like it's hard to generate ideas that way it's yeah. hard to generate it's like hard to come up with an idea just out of nothing right mm -hmm. so these other things provide a process yeah. to get to something in a more organic way yeah i'm really glad you said that because some, something that i've been kind of mulling over for like the past couple of months which is that like you know in in doing so many different scenes so many premises so many polls there are a lot of times where I'm just like, that's a very funny game. That's so hilarious. That's so good. But it does not work. It's not It's not optimized for the Herald. If this is a montage, it's great. If this was a um, slacker, it's great. You know, if it was a short form game, it's great. But if we're going to have to be able to play this, you know, three whole beats, it is not as again, it, it's still, it's going to work. We've seen a million scenes like that work, but it's not optimized for it, right? The scenes that work best 
the premises rather that work best for a, a, a herald are ones that you can like kind of reproduce and take anywhere because it's human, it's relatable, and it is something that isn't like so wackadoodle that you can't like yeah put it anywhere. But you want to be able to start in like a, a grounded enough place because that allows you that makes it more like sustainable. Yeah. So if you yeah exactly if, if sustainable is a perfect word for it. Some games are just more sustainable or supremacies are more sustainable than others, right? So I think that's like the tough thing, especially if you're doing a lot of uh, uh, montages or, you know, other forms, you know, that skill is still there. You're recognizing a really good premise and you are initiating a really good premise, but where the trouble, trouble comes in is like, okay, great. Now, could you take it to a second beat? Could you do turn this into a, you know, a weird world? And not every premise can be, uh, yeah, is second beat ready, right? Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I, I will say, like in response to that, like, um, you don't want to be thinking too much, like as you're in your opening, right? Will I be able to do a second beat? Of, you know, it's like oh yeah, too yeah, far yeah, ahead. Yeah. But I think what you're getting at is that like different openings will generate will generate different types of premises, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. some premises like uh lend themselves more to like longevity or being able yeah. to do it uh throughout the show. I um, think that's exactly what I was trying to say. But you can take a pre- yeah. you can take like a pretty like wacky premise and if you ground it enough and maybe you have to maybe you're gonna have to work extra hard in that first beat to ground it, you can turn it into something. Mm-hmm. But I think you're right that that like uh um yeah, even if you're not thinking as you're creating it, like what's the potential of this down the line, you you can look at like what type of premises do we get out of the opening that yeah. we're doing? Are they serve like do they work? Yeah, yeah. I definitely don't want anybody to be more in their head about yeah. that. So like, don't think about. Uh, for me, it's been an observation that I have after the fact. Yeah, exactly. It'll be like it, like after the show, I'm thinking about the second beat. It's like, yeah, that's tough. But that first beat was so good. That first, and I was like. We if we did that as a group game, that would have been great. Or if we just edited and we didn't have to do a second beat, that would have stood on its own two feet. Because we had to do a second beat and a third beat of it, it was like, yeah, it's tough. Once you once you change one of the specifics, it's not as funny. You know, once you try to take it analogous or time dash, it's like, yeah. So uh, um, all that to say is that I, I think the major takeaway that you kind of uh, solidified is when you're thinking about premise and you're thinking about the initiation you're going to pull from it being really intentional with your opening is, is crucial. Yeah. Whatever the opening you end up picking, I don't, it doesn't matter if it's entry machine or living room or whatever, but make sure you're going in with the intent of like, guys, we gotta, we gotta do a herald about this opening. So yeah, as we do this opening, let's not make it like the funniest or the, the coolest looking. Let's make it the easiest for us to pull initiations. Yeah. From. It should, you should go into it with like a plan of like, this is how we get ideas out of this. Yeah. And this is the type of, ideas that we want and this is how we get them and and uh and yeah i mean i think like i think that should be priority number one like if your show is if if your show is funny the audience is not going to remember like what opening you Mm -hmm. and so i think it's better to set yourself up for good ideas and not be so worried about like uh, will the audience like our opening? Or not? Mm-hmm. Although there is something to be said for winning over an audience early on in your show and getting them on your side, but 
I think you can do that later. Yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, uh, uh, one thing that I, this experience has taught me uh, working with you and working with like Ali and everybody, it's just like, y'all, uh, the best way to approach a, a Herald is to go piecemeal, step by step. So you got to get really good at your openings because if that's, if that's not, if that's flaky or fuzzy, then of course your initiation is going to be flaky or fuzzy. And if that's flaky or fuzzy, then of course the 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 first beats are going to be. So like as best as you can, start with the opening, get that as strong and as tight as possible. Then initiation has to be as strong and as tight as possible. Then your uh, first beats have to be good. Then your second beats have to be good. And then third beat connection. <laughs> yeah, every part of it has to be good. But it, no, but it has to yeah, be, yeah. you can't build upon You can't like, if you have bad first beats, you're never going to have good third beats. Not never, sorry, but like it's yeah. so much harder. Or, yeah, it just increases the yeah. the difficulty. It's mm-hmm. so like if you can, I feel like the way I think about it is like if we're more focused up top on, yeah, you know, just doing the like less fun work of just like mm-hmm. nailing down a solid idea, create doing a solid like top of a first beat, then it'll be so much easier to like go wild at, in the second half of the show, right. right? Because you have just like a really strong foundation. And you want your show to get funnier anyway as mm-hmm. it goes on. Um, and so that's how I think about it. But it wasn't always how I thought about it. Like, I think when I was like, like that, doing mess hall on that first year on Herald, I think I placed like much more of a premium on like, I got to have a really funny initiation because if the, if the first line of a scene is really funny, I'll win over the audience yeah. and um, we'll be off to the start. And now I kind of feel like the beginning doesn't need to be that funny. It just needs to be really clear. Mm-hmm. And we have to be on the same page about it as scene partners and we'll make the show funny like later. Yeah, yeah. I I think I've heard. I don't know if you used it, but I, I definitely heard this analogy before. Uh, it's it's eating your vegetables. Yeah. Once you get that out of the way, you can have all the candy and all the marshmallows you want because you already ate your vegetables. Yeah. Um. Okay. Let's go ahead and talk about the actual pulling of the premise next. Now, uh, uh, how often or how much do you listen to the audience laughing for you to like zero in on like that's unusual. Uh, I think the, I mean, I think that's a big clue in the opening is, uh, if something gets a big laugh from the audience, then it's worth everyone's time to not blow past that. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, I think you should, if you hear a big laugh from the audience, you should immediately be going like, why did they, why did they laugh at that? Mm -hmm. Like in your head and, uh, and trying to frame that. Right. So I think it's it's not the only thing that matters, right? So if someone doesn't laugh at something, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that there's not a great unusual thing yeah. there. It just means that it hasn't been presented in like the the funniest way yet. And sometimes, yeah, uh, I, I, that's happened sometimes for me. Sometimes something will tickle me. Yeah, audience didn't catch. I'm like, there's something funny in there, and I will kind of like represent it. It's like, wait a second. Yes, are you saying? Well, you know. And ultimately, that's yeah. the thing you should be listening to most is like, does does something make me laugh? Or yeah. Does something seem sort of like potentially funny to me? 
Um, and and then you should be going, why is that funny? What like what or why is that weird? Yeah. Uh, and answering that question, and then you know trying to then highlight that and show the audience like why that's that's funny. But um, but sometimes something will just be funny to everybody, yeah. and then it's like, okay, well that's you definitely got to use that, or you definitely at least got a, a that's a big signal that you don't want to yeah. ignore. I'm curious to hear your opinion on this because um, it's something that I see a lot uh, and I don't know what the right etiquette or what the proper thing to do is, but sometimes things do get labeled, but sometimes someone else, either maybe even you, sometimes you're like, Oh, there was, there was a better way to label that. There's a better way to position that, you know, or I, I, I feel like I further clarify it. And then you see it all with like uh, the pattern game, pattern games. And then someone would be like, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like monsters shopping, and then you're like, yeah, it's kind of like Dracula going shopping for the prom, right? And it's like that's yeah. the same thing, but you kind of just you topped it, you topped you, it, you you uh, you know, you you pitched a better pitch or whatever. Yeah, I think I think it depends on what's your team's approach. Like, how does your team how is your team agreed to like do it? Right, so. I tend to go like, hey, let's go with the first idea and then the first thing that gets framed and then let's flesh that out uh, and so that we come out of it with one clear idea. Mm -hmm. But I think there's other people who look at the pattern game and they're like, it's fair game to pitch a bunch of things, right? And and find the one that's like best. Um, I think like there's a trade-off between the two, right? It's like, do you want the best label or do you want one really clear idea that everyone's on the same page about? Yeah. And so it's kind of like, um, I think it depends. It probably depends on like what you've talked about as a team. So, but I mean, if it like, it still happens, right? Like, yeah. Like, I mean, uh, uh, and you know, again, we'll use the living room as an example or even use our, uh, as an example, but like sometimes you'll hear the same idea, but then there's like kind of like two, premises or there's like versions of like one degree off you know yeah Uh, yeah because in practice it's hard to do you know it's mm -hmm. hard to execute things the same way every time right like yeah sometimes you are just gonna get uh two slightly different ideas and then i think when that happens it's fair game to use either one if you're gonna initiate whichever one speaks to you more Mm -hmm. um and so there's a difference between like this is what we're attempting to do, right? This is our like goal and our process. Yeah. And then there's the f- true fact of you don't do that a lot of the time, right? Yeah, yeah. Because it's hard. And uh, and there's all sorts of things that are outside of your process that uh, you can't just not, you can't just pretend like they're not there because you don't want them to be. I mean, that's also a big part of improv is yeah. responding to all that stuff too. Um, um, I yeah. just realized we're probably throwing around the whole labeling and framing pretty, yeah, pretty lackadaisically. I think this is actually a really hard thing. I, I feel like we're like, oh yeah, it's so easy to label, but it actually is really hard. So I guess let's let's talk about that label. Sure. What is your what is your approach to like if something does make you laugh or something makes the audience laugh? What do you, what is your instinctual thing to do? Um, okay, so I'll draw a distinction between labeling and framing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is like a official distinction or not. I think most of the time they get used interchangeably. 
but for framing, I'm going to use the like Sean Diston thing of like framing is answering the question of why is that unusual, mm -hmm. right? So a line of a framing line in a scene would be like, that's unusual because normally this happens, but instead you're doing this, mm -hmm. right? So that's pointing out like, this is weird because here's why it's weird, right? Uh, because it's a thing that we don't expect in this yeah. situation, right? Whereas labeling, I would say, is more like directly like describing something. So like a label would be like, uh, you know, oh, so you're a guy who compares himself to Tiger Woods. Yeah. So that's describing a behavior, but it doesn't actually tell me why it's weird to do that, right? Yeah. Does that make sense? You're, 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 Labeling just the first unusual, but you're not giving us a framework yes. to do the next unusual. Right. So you're you're not putting the unusual thing in context. Yeah. And it's almost too. Uh. Yeah. That's a really good point. Cause say that one again. Say the one. Uh. Whoa. It seems like you like to compare yourself to Tiger Woods. And now what I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna be, hey, where's my sponsorship with Rolex? And you're like, you're not Tiger. Like I'm gonna play the game of I'm Tiger Woods, which is not what's funny it's not what was the original right intent. or if it is funny we still haven't said like why yeah right and, and in this case like going back to if the whole conversation we've had before is our opening yeah right? that thing that you just said of acting like tiger woods isn't the same idea as uh it's one degree the off. way that we were using yeah. it before and i'll get stuck on this first move versus yes. if we took it as like oh your comparison to be the greatest of all time it could be Tiger Woods in the first unusual. Then I could do a, a Jordan reference. Or I could do a, a film. You know what I mean? I could do a lot right. of other ways to like hyperbolize. Yeah. My, my the, ego. The, the thing that's weird about it is that I'm not the Tiger Woods yeah. of anything. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I'm not anywhere close to that. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Tiger Woods has millions of dollars. You don't have. Millions. Yeah. And, and it, I'm not. I'm not not the Tiger Woods of anything because I'm not literally Tiger Woods. Yeah. But it's because I'm not. Uh, the greatest of all time. I'm not the greatest paid. at what I do, right? Yeah. There's also, yeah. Yeah. So that is a really important distinction to make in terms of like labeling and framing. In the way that you're kind of ex approaching this, it's almost as if the label needs more. Yes. So, so it's like, hey, you, you're at, you just call yourself, you just compare yourself to Tiger Woods. Why are you doing that? It almost needs like a, you know, right. a why. Well, but so even that is maybe getting ahead of ourselves, right? Because uh, you just compared yourself to Tiger Woods, right? Why are you comparing yourself to Tiger Woods? Depending on how they answer, it's weird. It's still weird. It could be weird for different reasons, right? So first it's yeah. like, hey, man, you're comparing yourself to Tiger Woods when as far as I can tell, you're uh not that successful mm -hmm. at at the thing that you do that you're saying you're doing yeah, yeah right then if you're faced with that here's why it's weird to me then they almost have to go like well here's why I'm doing making that comparison mm -hmm. right um so i think that's uh yeah the label right just describing the behavior doesn't necessarily tell you why it's weird yeah and and so when i'm in an opening i'm looking to frame something yeah i'm looking to point out 
um, this thing that happened yeah. is weird because of this. So the real skill here, it seems like, is, and it's it's something that's really unnatural for a lot of us. But the thing is, you have to be able to explain why you thought something was funny. Explain the joke. You have to kind of basically break down the joke, which is what we always been have been told. Hey, don't do that. That's not funny. That kills the joke. But in an opening, you kind of have to so that we all can, now that we've broken it down, yeah, take it, rearrange it, and, and repurpose it for a, an initiation. Yeah, but like you'll find like slicker ways of doing that uh or more slick more more slick ways of doing that that sort of hide that from the the audience but it's still that's fundamentally you're like communicating that to your partner so you're not just going around assuming that we all have the same idea yeah because what's obvious to me is not necessarily going to be obvious to you and vice versa and again, in the opening, it doesn't have to be smooth. It doesn't have to be slick. So you, that, that's the advantage of doing it in right. the opening. Yes. You can just be blunt. But once you're in the scene, you do need to like, you got to act it up and you got to smooth it in there. Yeah. And you don't have to. Well, you should. Right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Most important thing is just communicate the idea so that your scene partner knows what you Fair. think is funny. And Fair. then they tell you what they think is funny about that. Yeah. Right. Like that's uh, the most important thing in my opinion. Great. Uh, anything else to add about uh, uh, openings to initiations? I mean, I think we've covered it all. Yeah, we really did take it down <laughs> piece by piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you don't have to do it by now, <laughs> listen to get listen to this again in half speed. You'll get it. Yeah. Uh, we have one last segment, which is just going to be our our hot improv takes. This is a quick one, but this is a chance for you to talk about some trends that you've been noticing in improv that you want to see more of, less of. Or you stay the same. Okay. So my hot improv take, and I'm I'll have to ask you if this is a of where things are at. Because mm-hmm. you I think you would know better than me. So it's either a yes, I like this and I want to continue to see more, mm-hmm. or it's a I think this is in the a good place right now. Perfect. And um I think that's like uh is justifications being not being somewhat de-emphasized from when I was uh, like coming up and taking classes and, and, and stuff. When I, I, when I was coming up and taking class like five to seven years ago, it felt like everybody was really hammering home justification as like, you got to justify in every improv scene, every weird thing um, has to have a justification. And it got to the point where I think like, I just remember being in class or or people being like, I'm not good at justifying, like justification became this like big thing. And you had to be really good at coming up with like a whole philosophy for your character to have, uh, and like really complicated logic and all this stuff. And I think it seems to me like that emphasis has subsided a little bit so your hot improv, hot improv take is that uh uh justifications aren't as important as they used to be or they don't need to be as important as they used to be. yeah my hot improv take is that it seems like we're in a better place as far as how important we're treating justification than we were a few years ago. okay 
Uh, uh, great. You know what? I would say that's a hot and hot take for anybody who started like in the early 2010. <laughs> yeah, I and guess then, so, <laughs> though. That, that's why I need to yeah, ask, yeah, yeah. like, where are we at with this? And for everybody that's like started like more recently, they're kind of like, yeah, yeah, I've heard that, yeah, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, uh, but there you go. Yeah, uh, justification is not as important. All right, uh, my hot improv take, and uh, this is going to be a little bit hotter than yours, and maybe okay. uh, I don't think people should be walking on as often as they are. Uh, I don't know what's been, maybe it's just me and, you know, the way the scenes I've been watching, but like, it seems like nowadays, whenever there's one walk on, everyone's like, oh, that means we all need to walk on now, right? Yeah. So if there's a, a, a restaurant, oh, one person's walking to their table, asking how their table is doing. Now we all need to do this. Or, oh, you know, uh, uh, we're at a bank robbery and one person walks on as a hostage. Now we're all going to walk on as a cop and as a SWAT team and as the whatever. When it is just, you know, maybe we just need one walk on. Maybe just one waiter waiter walks by, asks how they're doing, and then they move on. Uh, so I guess my hot improv take is uh, people are walking on way too much. Walk-ons are valid. They're really great. They're really, really good, helpful support move. But it'd be like, think about any other support move. Think about any other support move. What if everybody tagged? What if everybody made a phone call? What if everybody scene painted? That's like too much. And it almost clutters the scenes to be like, well, let's not forget about our two principles here. You know? Uh, uh, so that's my higher prep take. Walk on less. If your instincts to walk on, count to 10. <laughs> Actually, yeah, and count to 10. If it's a walk on, your, your, your move should still work 10 seconds from now. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, I mean, like with all things, like with justifications as well, it's it's context specific. But yeah, there's definitely a thing of like once that first walk on happens, then it's like the floodgates are open and, and we're all doing it. And the thing that. That gets lost is that a lot of times you a walk on can happen. And but then we don't like fully deal with the consequences of that move right we move on to the next support move too quickly and it's like hold on let's 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 explore that that walk on and then do the next one right mm -hmm. because maybe if we truly explore that walk on we'll get a different better idea about what the next uh walk on walk on should be could be or should be uh so that they're like building on each other as opposed yeah. to here's a bunch of different possible support moves yeah yeah and i think you're uh and that's always a a caveat for all of our hot improv takes yes context matters of course of course uh, uh that's my hot take um yeah uh, uh great well last thing to talk about james is your plugs please plug uh, any shows you got going on uh you can see leroy fourth wednesdays of the month at ucb um yeah and, uh, and, you know, ASCAT and, uh, shared experience, right. Shared experience. Leroy performs there that shows every Wednesday. I think we do it about once a month. It kind of changes. And then I run a show called, um, comedian feud at the Elysian theater the last Sunday of the month. Right. Um, so yeah. Do you have any uh, socials? Do you have an RSS feed? Uh, <laughs> I should get an RSS feed. Um, uh, at Pizza Manion on Twitter. At Pizza Manion. Yeah. All right. Great. On X. Yeah. <laughs> on X. Uh, great. And then I just have uh, 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 just one thing to plug. It's By the time this episode drops, there will be one last 
uh, Odyssey performance at UCB. That's going to be uh, Monday, October the 2nd, I think. Yeah. October the yeah. 2nd. That's going to be the last uh, 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 show of our run for Lloyd. Come see them. They're great. This guy's our coach. So if you like what he's been saying. They're great. They've been doing such funny shows. They're all funny individually and together as a group. You guys work like very well together. And I'm I'm sad that it's coming to an end, but uh -huh. I'm looking forward to seeing your your well, I guess last two shows, last show on on October second. Yeah. Thanks so much for saying that. But you're also kind of backhanded complimenting yourself. Huh? <laughs> you guys are so funny because you're our coach. Oh, yeah. Well, right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, great. Well, thanks so much for stopping by uh for chatting uh about improv till the sun went down. Thank you for having me. This was great. Great. Thanks. Bye, everybody. All right. Thanks so much.